0: We are concluding a series called Jesus and Emotional Health today. And uh, if you're just joining us or whether you need a refresher, I just want just to just remind us of the journey we've been on the last few weeks as we have explored this idea that God, in His desire to bring wholeness and reconciliation, has a redemptive purpose and vision for our emotional health, as well as our bodies and our spirits. And so just some of the things that we've talked about. We've talked about how we have to know ourselves. We talked about how we have to be willing to go backwards sometimes, to go forward. We talked about how we have to learn to receive the gift of limits. Uh, we have talked about how the ultimate goal is to mature into a person of love. Uh, last week we talked about how we can pattern ourselves after Jesus when faced with crises in our life. Uh, And today we're going to be talking about how do we take all of this knowledge, God's heart and redemptive vision for our emotional health, and how do we move forward? How do we engage in his kingdom mission for those around us? Um, And in order to do that, we have to address something. What happens when we have all this information, right? You've picked up Pete Scorsero's book or or maybe that you've really um, said, okay, I'm going to get serious about letting God come and bring healing in this area of my life. What happens next month or next year? What happens when we encounter life and stress? And so we're going to be spending some time today of really having this, this, really this vision for how to grow. Uh, into people of love? How do we continue to grow in our understanding of God's healing that He has extended towards us in this area? And I was thinking about this uh, a couple months ago. I was uh, training for a marathon, and in late July, I started having some pain in my shin. Thought it was shin splints, didn't think it was a big deal. But as I kept running, the pain kept increasing, and I started reala- realizing I was having pain even when I wasn't running. And then all of a sudden I realized that there was something really wrong. I ended up calling my friend who's a physical therapist and just talked through some things, say, hey, that doesn't sound like a shin splint. It sounds like a stress fracture. Uh, and I realized in that moment that the stress fracture is actually something I had, injury I had in high school too. It's that, that the impact of running again and again over long lengths uh, eventually has so much pressure on the bone that there's not some sort of traumatic event that causes this fracture. It's just over time this wear and tear on a certain part of the bone just begins to erode and can actually turn into a compound fracture and so the best thing you need to do is just stop and rest and so he recommended like you need to rest four to six weeks and so I almost rested four weeks. In September I started running again and within two days i The pain was still there. I'm like, okay, I took it seriously. And so I just stopped and I let my bones begin to heal. And before I started running again, uh, I went to the store where they began to start evaluating my feet and how I walk and how I run. And recommended that you need these certain kind of support systems and structures. And, and I ended up getting a whole new shoe. I ended up actually um, beginning to talk to a friend who's an expert in running, realizing I've been running wrong the whole time. And so here I am after running for a year and I'm back at square one. I'm realizing that the way that I was living my life, the way I was running, ended up causing injury, not, not immediate, but over time, because I wasn't willing to address the unhealth that I was putting on my shin. And so I, I just, that, that kind of, my own personal imagery in my life, I just want to just kind of offer that to us, is sometimes the stress of life can create fractures in our soul. And rather than serving a God who says, keep running, just keep doing it, Um, we, we serve a God who invites us to rest. We serve a God who invites us to evaluate what have we been doing, what patterns have we established, what things from our family of origin have we inherited that we can't just keep running on. And so we have to be able to stop and evaluate, okay, what is God asking us to do in these moments? And that's kind of what I'm hoping for today. And so we're going to be looking at one of the most, I think, one of the most interesting passages in the life of Jesus. And this is in Mark chapter 6. It's a moment that we see Jesus and his disciples encounter different levels and types of stress because of just normal life, what they're going through. And then we see how Jesus invites them to respond to that. And so recognizing that we live in a time right now where there is this uh, really overwhelming sense of stress, uh, whether it's the just 2020 and all that it's brought, whether it's the election coming up, whether maybe it's something personal like the loss of a job or something like that, realizing that our stress levels right now are at significantly higher um, than normally they would be. So what do we do with that? How do we handle that? And so, just some things as we look at Mark chapter six, and uh, because of time, we're not going to read all of it. But I encourage you to. I just want to walk through these three different movements in this chapter, and then where this kind of arrives at. Number one, verses one through six, we have the story of Jesus showing up at his hometown, and he's and he's there to do to bring healing. Um, but what's interesting is after he's done teaching in the synagogue, people begin to whisper isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this Jesus from Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And they begin to start questioning his ability to do this. And Jesus says, "It literally says he was unable to do any miracles there. And it says that Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. the story, I think, is really um, interesting for us because even Jesus has this negative guiding narrative that's hanging over his head. Oh, you're from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Oh, you're just the son of a carpenter. Who do you think you are trying to be a rabbi? And I think whether it's Jesus' narrative or whether it's our own, there are these guiding narratives that can really impact us, whether it's positively or negatively. Uh, My friend is an executive coach and one of the things he's talking to me about is that we, you, as he's coaching, whether it's a CEO or a different company, um, he did this training actually for, for the Raiders a few years back. It's this understanding is that you will never go beyond what you believe to be true about yourself. And so here we have Jesus in the opening verses of this chapter realizing that the world around him, especially in this town, is saying like, who do you think you are? And maybe that's been your experience of this series, is that we talk about emotional health. There is this storyline, this guiding narrative that's just questioned, who do you think you are? You're never going to be emotionally healthy. You're just going to keep repeating the patterns that your parents did or your grandparents did. You'll never be able to receive freedom in this. And so I, would just, I want you to understand, all of us have this temptation to believe one of two stories. And so Jesus, we see Jesus has this same problem, The next thing we see that happens in Mark chapter 6 is that he sends out his disciples two by two with authority to go and bring healing to the sick, to drive out demons. And as he does this, he says, hey, listen, there's going to be towns that don't receive you just like they didn't receive Jesus. And he just talks about this idea, you just need to move on and shake off the dust and, and they go out and there is, in the Gospels record, like there's amazing things that happen as the disciples go out. And they begin to start doing the work or um, kind of engage the purpose and the vocation that Jesus is inviting them to. And then the next thing we see happen in Mark chapter 6 is, the, is that John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, is executed. And so I just want you just to to sit with these three different scenarios that the author is setting up here. First off, we have this negative guiding narrative that is confronting Jesus and his disciples. We see his disciples no longer just following, but doing, having the, the grind of ministry and going out. And then you have Jesus and his disciples encountering a very real sense of loss and grief. All of that to say... That's a pretty stressful concoction. And so this is why in Mark chapter 6, verses 30, um, listen to the words. It says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. Has anyone ever lived their life with such a high level of stress, you actually forget to eat a meal? Um, Maybe you're like me, that the more stressful I get, the more I want to eat a meal. But nonetheless, we see the disciples and Jesus coming back after this sense of grief. They've been working really hard. They've been facing animosity. And they come together and they realize there's so much stress and pressure that they've even forgotten to eat. And Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. What, what a relieving invitation of Jesus. Verse 32, says, So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Then Jesus landed and saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. Now, this this chapter has always perplexed me. It's even frustrated me because you see all of these things happen that seem incredibly stressful and then Jesus gives this beautiful invitation: "Come away with me to a solitary place and rest." And you're just like, "Yes." You kind of feel this as the narrator is telling the story. But then what happens is these crowds show up, and and in this moment is that Jesus had compassion on them. And then the disciples, rightfully so, are kind of perturbed. They're kind of just like, "Who?" Jesus, you just told us to come away with you and rest. And here we are again, surrounded with need, surrounded with stress, surrounded, and these people don't have anything to eat. And Jesus invites them into this move of compassion. He has, he says, you feed them. And so just some, some things I wanted to just pick up on, on, this, on this story. Uh, number one, what I love about Mark chapter six is the messiness of it. Right, But in the messiness of this, of them dealing with these negative guiding narratives, as they deal with the grind of this new sort of ministry and kingdom work, as they deal with a real sense of grief and loss, there is this beautiful invitation that I think Jesus is still whispering to us today. Come away with me and find rest. So it's just some things really practical that I would just encourage you to do long after this series is done, that these words in Mark chapter 6 would just continue to ring true in your heart, that you would see and sense Jesus saying, listen, I know. I know what it's like to lose someone, to lose something. I know what it's like to work really hard and never feel like you have a break. I know what it's like to feel like it's hard to overcome this past or this family of origin stuff. And this invitation again and again and again is come away with me. And so just some things of just understanding that Jesus, this is why Sabbath and silence and solitude are so important because it reminds our souls that we are not what we do. It reminds us that we are not God. It reminds us that we serve a God who's not a taskmaster, but we serve a God who's a shepherd and invites us into these places. Um, One of my favorite scenes from The Fellowship of the Rings by J.R. Tolkien is when the hobbits and Strider uh, end up in, in Rivendell, this elfin village, right? And, and there's this line in Tolkien's book, and it says this. And, and so if you can just set this up more, you can imagine the, this most epic journey, right? These elves and Strider, and they come, and they've already encountered so much that have almost lost their life, and they're about to encounter the next part of the journey, which is going to be even more strenuous, and they end up at this, this elfin village, And Tolkien describes it like this. He says, The future, good or ill, was not forgotten, but ceased to have any power over the present. Health and hope grew strong in them, and they were content with each good day as it came, taking pleasure in every meal and in every word and song. You see this, this, really this image of Sabbath, of, of coming away, And then it doesn't dismiss what's coming, it doesn't dismiss what's in the past. It just gave him this this power to face the present, to enjoy even and delight in the things that were right in front of them. Um, In John Mark Homer's book, Garden City, he talks about rest and Sabbath like this. He says, that's why Sabbath is an expression of faith, faith that there is a creator and he is good. We are his creation. This is his world. We live under his roof, drink his water, eat his food, breathe his oxygen. So on the Sabbath, when we rest, we do not just take a day off from work. We take a day off from toil. We give him all our fear and anxiety and stress and worry. We let go. We stop ruling and subduing and we just be. We remember our place in the universe, so that we never forget there is a God and I am not him. And so this would be my, my biggest cry to you, is I, I, I understand this is a stressful moment in our culture, and I understand that it's going to be more stressful things that come in our life, but God in his wisdom has built within the rhythm of our life opportunities to come away and rest with him, to look inwardly, to expect him to come, and to bring his redemptive work. But I want to touch this point in the story that's always confused me, and this is point of frustration for me, where it says, Jesus gives this invitation, and you think that that would be like the end, but life happens. Another crowd shows up, and it says that Jesus was moved with compassion, and so I've always read this story. I keep reading, waiting for the moment where they finally got away with Jesus. And guess what? It never comes. And maybe this is because Jesus was pointing not to an event, but to himself as the person of rest. But I also think there's something else here that I've never seen. That Jesus, in his invitation to rest, does not turn off his compassion. He actually turns it up. It's within his empathy and compassion that he then invites his disciples into Says, listen, when I'm asking you to rest, I'm not asking you to harden your heart or to turn off your heart. I'm asking you for the sake of others that we rest and that we can engage in a compassionate way even more. So here, here's something I would like to encourage you to do is as you've been able to just have this honest look at your own emotional health, and this very inward type work, it should never just stay inward. As a Matter of fact, one of the best things we can do is begin to look outward, to use our own pain, our own misery, our own trauma, as an invitation from God to not only receive his compassion, but to reach out to others in a compassionate way. And in order to do that, we have a really unique opportunity as a church to partner with an amazing organization that actually is right here within our church. Um, And so, uh, without kind of giving too much into this, I actually wanted to turn it over uh, to Ryan and to Richard. Uh, These are two friends of mine that are involved in an incredible ministry that I think is an invitation for all of us if you're like, well, I don't know how to engage others as I'm dealing with my own emotional past or inviting Jesus to heal me. So I just wanted them to share uh, just for a minute um, how, just one practical way that we can begin to engage others in a compassionate sense. Hey guys, thanks for being with me today.
1: Yeah, man, thank you so much for having us. What an honor. Um, yeah, you know, it's, the message was amazing and just thinking about compassion, that's really how this ministry of Share the Struggle started. You know, I've worked in film and we were doing this documentary series where we took these four wild boys out of prison and gangs and severe addiction and we paired them with these literal wild mustangs to tame and train and that meant we had to go find these four boys and so we did a casting call all across america and we're interviewing these boys on facetime and i'm mm. talking to these kids who are just struggling and i'm like gosh this isn't just a casting uh, strategy here this is like a ministry in itself so um, so I hooked up with Richard here and another buddy of mine, and we got together and created this ministry and this software that essentially is Match.com for Christian mentorship. Wow! We've kind of ripped off this model of connecting people online and just applied it to discipleship. And right now we kind of can't keep up the demand for it. It's, it's, been, it's been going amazing. Um, I mean, shoot, man, like my, my wife right now is having a conversation with a young lady who's just as lost as they come, just totally broken, um, struggling with all sorts of things that Annie can relate to on levels that I couldn't relate to because this software that we've created will match you wound to wound based on your own story and say, okay, you've been struggling with anxiety. There's a young woman in Pennsylvania who's going through the same thing and you've made it out of that because you found the love of Jesus and found his peace and maybe you haven't fully healed from it, but you've got some tools and you've got some, some things to share with this girl. And so we're gonna connect you based on this software. And again you know uh, what happened after jesus had compassion on these crowds he sent out the disciples and where did he send paul he sent paul to rome because rome was the epicenter of culture at the time that's where things were happening that's where people were congregating and so we just asked the question like where's rome like what is our modern day rome where's the epicenter of culture i think it's on phones i think it's on tablets i think it's on screens and so that's what we're doing we're saying okay Where do we want to lay claim in the kingdom of God? Where do we really want to plant our stakes and say, Lord, we're taking territory here. We're doing it digitally. And we're seeing we we cannot keep up with the demand for all these young people that are struggling and hurting. I mean, my dad just led someone to the Lord the other night. This guy, first generation Chinese guy, he doesn't have anyone else to talk to. And so he goes on sharethestruggle.org just to connect with someone. And my dad leads him to Jesus. And now the guy's plugged in in a church small group. And so we're just seeing this thing um, grow, and we're seeing the Holy Spirit uh, use ordinary people like us who really don't know what we're doing in a lot of this, but God's really been moving through this.
0: Amazing. Ron, I remember the first time we had breakfast, and you started telling me about Chasing Wild. And, um, and for those who aren't familiar, I mean, it's, it's started as, yeah, this documentary series. And this just totally like blew my mind of just, you know, just your heart to work with these people that a lot of the world has just totally dismissed. Mm-hmm. And how that just so naturally just spun into this idea of like, but there's more. This can't just be this like, you know, this film series. Um, and then I just, I just love you and Annie's heart just to continue to, to expand this concept and this idea like, hey, we need to like, there's more people. And and maybe they're not just coming out of prison and maybe they're not coming with heavy addiction and maybe some of them are. But what about people who are just like, I feel lonely? Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. what about people who just like I just feel like isolated, I'm struggling with depression and and then at the same time realizing as we've talked, there's people, like even as we're talking about going through this series, who have this desire of like, How can I help someone? I don't know how to do that. I'm not a you know, marriage and family therapist, or I'm not I don't feel like I'm a pastor, um, but I would love. To like engage through my story, and so I, what I what's amazing is that you guys, you know, bringing Rich on and things like this, have developed not just software, but really this amazing tool um, that churches can use, and we're going to be starting to use. And so I would love to just practically, what does this look like? Because I'm sure a lot of people hearing this, you know, like in a Say, this isn't a commercial. This is really, but it is an invitation mm-hmm. for our church. And so I love as you just kind of lay this out. Um, maybe Richard, you can just tell us practically what does this look like?
2: Yeah, definitely. So as we're as we've been processing through like emotional health and Jesus, we've been talking about what we've been through in a lot of cases. And share the struggle is really an opportunity to say, okay, here's something I've been through. And now it's something that I have to offer. Mm-hmm. We go from this like inward reflection and healing process with Jesus to now getting to use our story to connect with someone who's been there. And really that's what Share the Struggle is. It's like it's just this online vehicle to do that where a young person comes online, shares what they're struggling with, whether it's we're running ads online around anxiety and loneliness and depression and stress and like really heartbreaking things. The loneliness ad is just going through the roof, which makes sense right now with everything that's been going on. Um, And then you as a mentor, we train you. And it's really around just listening and empathy. Um, It's so simple. Like last, last week, Wesley was talking about how our temptation is to go in and try and fix people when we're talking with them about what they're struggling with and really the heart behind Share the Struggle is to just be there for people. Mm -hmm. So we don't really have to have the answers because there's this big fear as we step into it, saying, man, can I really like talk with someone who's going through depression and be there for them? Maybe I've been through a little bit, but there's this big fear that we have. But what's so cool is Jesus called fishermen, he called people that their typical response was like, I'm not ready, who am I, kind of thing. And we are those people in this case scenario. Um, And we get to go and just Stand in the gap with people who are struggling, and the software is just a vehicle to do that. So you get trained up through um, a process, like with psychologists and with Ryan, with online with coaching online, and then eventually you'll get connected to a mentee, and you'll get to be there with them through texting and emailing, video calls. Mm -hmm. Um, So the the software is just a vehicle for that, but it's really us in this generation and in our current. Uh, cultural moment, being the hands and feet of Jesus to the world. Mm-hmm. Wow.
0: So, so I think what I'm hearing you say is like, because I know immediately, I'm sure people are like, "Am I qualified? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I ready?" Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just maybe starting my own journey, like through these things. Um, yeah, and you would just say like, "Hey, if you're if you're prompted to, at least check it out." Yeah. Like, to be, I the word mentor. I think sometimes someone would be like, "Well, I don't know if I'm a mentor," but one thing things I love talking about what you guys have done, is the training is so good. Mm-hmm. Like, the training is amazing, and that it's not like, hey, here's, here's every answer to every problem you're ever going to face, but here's how to listen, not only to the person, but to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. How to, here's how to be there for these people. I mean, it's really phenomenal. I, I would just, again, encourage you guys. I mean, this is great life skills stuff, mm-hmm. and just to be able to engage and just increase your sense of empathy, and, and just when this comes, uh, just some practical questions come to my mind. Um, when, when you say share the struggle, is this any struggle? Are, these, are, these, are you certain categories you guys are looking for?
2: So we reach people by addressing a specific struggle, mm-hmm. but really at the end of the day, it is any struggle. So it could be someone who's just lonely, and it could be someone who's gone through abuse. Like It's the whole spectrum of wow. struggle. And what's cool about the software is we do tailor it so that you connect with someone that you have a similar story. But at the end of the day, what's most significant is that we just be there for someone, mm-hmm. even if we don't share the exact struggle with them. Because there's this common denominator of the human story where we've all struggled with like fear and letdown and disappointment mm-hmm. and feeling like unloved. And those are, those are beneath every struggle. Yeah. So we can always relate no matter what the struggle is
0: yeah and i know you mentioned Annie's doing this your wife yeah um you guys have a newborn <coughs> who's yep. super active just like my son yeah. um one of my other questions is like how much time is this going to require and is there a time frame to this are you like with these people for like life is it <laughs> like hey we're gonna be with you for a
1: while or yeah no that's a great question so very simply put um it's about four weeks of training at an hour a week so it's a four to five hour time commitment and then from that it's it's really um, what we're seeing is people are not just doing the standard one hour video call with their mentee or we call them the mustang um, each week they're texting with them they're um, they're uh, setting up uh, you know these video chats as well but they're email and texting there's all these different ways to communicate and so it's really kind of up to you as the mentor at that point to tailor make how uh, you want this relationship to go um, but there really is no formula to it we would like our mentors to get on video calls because we think that's where the most transformation happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also really want to guard time and you can create your own schedule. You can say, I've got 30 minutes a week to give. And so what's great about this ministry is it's not like signing up for the Boys and Girls Club where you've got to be there at this certain time each week. It's like, no, you can actually work with these, mm-hmm. these people that are struggling and say, you know what? I'm willing to text with you. I'm willing to jump on for 30 minutes at this time on Tuesdays. And so it's very flexible. And so the time thing... We actually really haven't run into that being a problem with our mentors because they get to tailor make uh, what, what kind of relationship and what kind of time boxes they want on it.
0: Awesome. And the last question I had is um, when we talk about people's own struggles, sometimes this is like people have a hard time talking about it. Probably, I guess is that when they sign up and they go through the training, is that like public knowledge for everyone to see? Like here's Tom and he really struggles with this or is it more the software that connects people or?
2: Yeah, so your struggle will remain completely confidential. Um, And same with the person who's sharing, who comes online, the young person who's looking for a mentor. So both struggles will remain confidential. But when you go through your training, you get to work with your mentor coach and you do get to process your struggle a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, And you kind of get to do with your mentor coach what ultimately you're gonna do with your mentee in unpacking your story, and understanding that what you learned at different significant turning points mm-hmm. during your life, because that's ultimately the, it's the, the fruit that you have from your story that you get to use in your relationship with your mentee. Yeah. It's what God's brought you through, and it, it's
1: how you really connect. So through the training, you unpack that. Yeah, the training's unreal. I mean, it for, for those of you out there that are like, I don't know if I, if I have time or if I'm the right person, just go through the training. It's free. Um, it's like literally this unbelievable blend of biblical principles, psychology, um, it's kind of like social worker skills um, and just listening and empathy training. It's like, I'm such a better husband now. Like Annie's like, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Because I like actually listen and can engage and know when I'm starting to check out. And so it's it's a really great tool that we just want to give away for free and also say, hey, if you want to come and be a mentor and help some hurting and lost and broken young people as well. Um, do that with us. So amazing. And you guys also say if
0: if someone starts this relationship with someone and it becomes like bigger than what they're ready to handle, Mm do you guys Mm -hmm. have something in place for that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you'll have support. You're not alone in this, in working with someone who's like an at-risk youth who's going through like abuse, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, There's suicide prevention training. There's counselor resources that we surround our ministry with. And you have a mentor coach who's constantly checking in with you. So, um, And then you're also in this mentor community, a community of people. And that's really our heart for this with Light Church is that we would be, uh, this cohort, this training would be with everyone from Light specifically. And we'd be on mission together, kind of stepping into the unknown of this and supporting one another as we figure out what it looks like to, to really cool. step out and be there for people who are hurting and lonely. Yeah,
0: Amazing. Thank you guys so much. I, I know like, I've met with so many people in their like 40s and 50s who just said like, I, I have all of this, I wanna do something mm-hmm. with it. Um, and I think it's such a practical way, but I also just encourage people who are in their like 20s, or oh, yeah. 30s, and people who like would never see themselves as the Bible is very clear. And then not only are we called to be disciples, which is literally the word student, we're just called to make disciples. We're called to bring people to, to ourselves and say, follow me as I follow Christ. And mm-hmm. it's such a practical way to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, anyone's watching this, what, how do you, what's the next step? How do you find out more information? How do you sign up?
2: Yep. So if you're interested, um, I just want you to email me. So it's richard at sharethestruggle.org. And you can email me either I'm in, and we'll fast track you into signing up for training, which starts November 10th or I'm interested and I would love to talk with you about what it looks like to be a mentor, talk through logistics of the time commitments and all of that. So email me Richard at share
1: And I would just share to that we, we like really need mentors. So we're, we're seeing this thing. We're seeing new hurting people come to our website constantly. And we're so honored that you would partner with us. So if you even have an inkling of like, I man, this, this is interesting for me. Um, just come do the training and, and be blessed by that. Um, but also if you're like, man, I, I've been looking to get involved with something. There's a there's a pretty massive need, especially with the election time coming up, with COVID, with everything. We're seeing so many anxious and depressed and hurting and lonely people wow. that we can't sustain the demand. And I feel like uh, we we need more of the body of Christ. Wow. We literally need more laborers to come and meet this need.
0: Well, amazing. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Seriously. Thank you, man. Yeah, thank you, man. Um, just, again, just wanted to share just a couple closing Closing thoughts. Um, as you're hearing this as you're, as you're watching this and if God's stirring your heart again just richard at sharethestruggle.org dot um, org dot org, .org. Uh, reach out um, and, and the reason is um, again I understand I'm talking to people including myself I'm not fully there yet and I understand that if you're watching this like man I still have a struggle I mean obviously you're welcome to use the website pull the ways if you need help. But like I said, we have resources on our website if you need therapy, if you need to reach out for prayer. Um, this is not a call for you to feel like you're done. Or to feel like, okay, I've arrived. But it's actually a part of our healing sometimes is in our own story, is just to continue to say, I want God to use me. I don't want my my own story, my own pain, my own negative kind of guiding narrative just to, rule my life. I want God to continue to bring redemption through my life. And this is just such a great, easy, practical, safe way to engage someone, to engage in training um, so that God can continue to use our emotional health, not just for our own sense of well-being, but for the sake of the world, for the advancement of his kingdom. And I wanted to, um, I mentioned there's no real conclusion. They never get away that we see. I'm sure they did at some point. But what we find at the end of Mark chapter 6 is we find Jesus getting away um, and we see the disciples finding themselves in a storm. And listen what happens. It says that Jesus saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought that it was a ghost. They cried out, because they all saw him and were terrified, immediately he spoke to them and said this. Listen, I just, I just want to speak this over to you if you're watching this. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. Well, what a great picture for us to end this sermon, this series on that when we're fighting against the wind and we're sensing the stress of life, that we have a God who's come out to us through the person of Jesus. And he's spoken these words to us, take courage, do not be afraid. And then I love this, he gets in the boat. Would you invite Jesus into your boat? And and, and it's in this moment, whether the wind dies down before, during, or after, Um, The the goal here isn't calm waters, the goal here is the God over the waters, it's Jesus being in our midst in whatever we're going through, that we'd find rest in him, and that we would engage others with compassion with him, and that we'd remember that nothing we ever do is ever alone because of who he is with us. And so what I'd love to do is, I was going to read Psalm 23. As we conclude this series, as I read Psalm 23, would you sense the invitation of God inviting you to shepherd your soul? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Jesus, we recognize you are our shepherd. Will you lead us and guide us in this life? Would we sense and know your presence even when we're in the valleys? And God, as we look at Mark chapter six and all that's going on there, there we recognize the complexities and the stress of life, yet you're in the middle of it. So Lord, I pray that we would answer the call to come away with you and to rest, to Sabbath, to be still with you. And Lord, I pray that we'd also answer your call to go and feed them, as you said, to, to be moved with compassion. I pray that you would mobilize our church, not just to be like, wow, look at us, we're healthier now. But help us be agents of health, Lord God, to those who are hurting, whether that's our neighbor, our parent, a friend, whether it's we hop on Share the Struggle and we are able to help someone who might live in a different state, but because we said yes to you, they could find the life-giving truth that Jesus can bring, the healing that you can bring. Lord, I pray that you just continue to empower our church through your Holy Spirit. God, that you would move us um, Lord God, just to bring be agents of change and healing to the world around us. And again, thank you, Lord, Lord, that we can rest in Your love, in Your shepherding
2: presence. In your name we pray. Amen.